Welcome all. Thank you so much for joining us for the October NICPEAD APE Collaborative. We have a great lineup today. So welcome on behalf of NICPEAD. I'm uh, Melissa Bittner and I am the chair of the membership subcommittee. So today our lineup includes Heidi Ambrosius, who is uh, going to talk about preschool, preschool everything. Very, uh, very active APE teacher in the field and a great, great resource. We also have Steve Agrich, and he is going to speak today on post-secondary transition, and he is um, out of Wisconsin. After both of our speakers present, we will have 10 minutes for a Q&A. Um, today, uh, we, we likened the chat to the bookends in that um, preschool and our transition post-secondary students often get forgotten. And we definitely will share in the chat the legislation that is available on the NICPEAD website about the clarification letters that preschool and post-secondary transition students absolutely must receive services. So we'll be sure to share that in the chat. So you can download that, save that, and use that to advocate for your students to receive AP services. As we are inviting everyone today, if you want to go ahead in the chat and introduce yourself, your name, and where you're from, that would be fantastic. A big thank you to the NICPEAD membership subcommittee. Thank you to Danielle Musser, the Colorado APE conference director and founder. In the house, we have Andy Pitchford currently at Iowa State University and beginning in January, we'll be at Oregon State University. Of course, our special guest today, uh, we've got Heidi from Moreno Valley, USD, and adjunct professor at California State University, San Bernardino. I'm Melissa Bittner, California State University, Long Beach. And we have Lainey Case from Chico State University. Our first speaker is, uh, will be Heidi, and Heidi is a CAPE certified APE teacher. So again, really encourage all of you to go get your CAPE certification. Very important for the field that we have national representation of CAPE certification. She got her bachelor's degree from CSU Fullerton, her master's from UCLA, her APE added authorization from Cal Poly Pomona. You just hit up every school in Southern California, huh? <laughs> she is a, an APE specialist. So yeah, or, or an APE teacher. One of my students in class asked me this past week, like, what's the difference between an APE teacher and an APE specialist? I'm like nothing, just kind of depending on your school district, what they, what they um, title it and call it. Uh, so at Moreno Valley USD and an adjunct professor at CSU San Bernardino. So at this time, I'll stop my screen sharing and Heidi will take the floor. Let's give a big welcome to Heidi. Thanks much. Thanks so much, Melissa. I am so excited to be here today to talk about my passion, uh, and that is adaptive PE for preschoolers. So early intervention, three to five-year-olds. As Melissa mentioned, I am an adaptive PE specialist in Moreno Valley, California, and I've been an adaptive PE teacher. This is my 25th year. 
And this is my 21st year at the preschool level. And our we have one centralized preschool in our district. So um, all of our preschoolers attend this one school. And I know every district is a little bit different. Sometimes the preschool classes are spread out uh, in the district. We're very lucky and that we are at a centralized location. So we have two and a half full-time bilingual school psychologists. We have six full-time uh, speech language pathologists, plus they also have slippers. We have a full-time CODA and a full-time um, OT, uh, as well as physical therapy and a physical therapy assistant. And what's wonderful about being at a centralized site is we can all collaborate. We do collaborate a lot. Um, so this is just a little bit about me. I could talk all day about preschool. So I'm going to try to move through my slides pretty quickly because I don't want to miss anything. And, and Melissa already did a great introduction for me. So thank you to Dr. Amanda Young. These are some slides that we collaborated on for our NAPEC presentation. And I asked her permission to be able to use these today as well. You know, why do we need to look at making sure that we're providing early intervention services? Because we all know, being in the field, that early intervention is very, very, very important. And so these slides just give us some research-based information to show us the importance of early intervention. And that we know that this is a very critical time in development for young children, that between the ages of three and five, that neuroplasticity is kind of at its prime. So we need to tap into that. And I can tell you firsthand seeing the progress that our students make. And I can't imagine if those students that I'm working with, if they hadn't received those adapted PE services, how delayed they would be in their gross motor skills when they are turning five and six years old, um, if they hadn't been receiving those services. So this is just some of that um, background. And some one of the other things that I've noticed, and this is not research-based, this is just from my own personal experience, is that we definitely have seen being out in the field, that often students that receive early intervention for their gross motor skills, those adapted PE services at the preschool level, don't require as much support. They do make progress. They do gain a lot of the skills that they need in order to participate in their least restrictive environment for PE. So we definitely see that firsthand, and there is a lot of research out there to support that as well. So this is just a slide that, again, is something that you are all familiar with because this is just the language from IDEA and that it does specifically mention instruction in physical education. And we do know that IDEA is applicable to all students aged 3 through 22, so definitely something that we will be talking about today. One of the ways um, that we can help advocate for adapted physical education for our preschool students is to address some common misconceptions. So a lot of misconceptions that we do hear from administrators and from lots of different people in the field of special education is that adapted PE is not required because physical education isn't being provided to students of the same age. And so we do know, as Melissa already mentioned, that we do have that, thank you, Dr. Garth Timeson, our preschool letter, our OSEP letter that does specifically address that issue. And I did include a link to that letter in this presentation. And so that letter specifically states that, that the service must be provided for all students between the ages of three and 22, regardless of if physical education is being offered at that age for general education peers. In the state of California, 
formal physical education isn't required until first grade. So even in our state where we have specifically in our adapted PE guidelines in our California education code, as well as IDEA, that adapted PE is a service that should be provided. We do have a lot of misconceptions about that in our state as well. So they think that that APE referral doesn't need to take place until a student is in kindergarten or first grade. So sometimes it doesn't happen at the preschool level. Sometimes we also hear the misconception that physical education is not considered an instructional area. We all know that it is specifically mentioned in IDEA and that it is an instructional area. So where I hear this the most is oftentimes we hear maybe a school psychologist has assessed a student and they don't feel that that student requires any special education. They're saying they're not eligible for special education because they don't need any academic support or maybe they don't need any speech and language support. But if their gross motor skills are affected to the point where they're eligible for adapted PE and they do have a medical condition, an orthopedic condition, or some other type of medical diagnosis that would make them eligible for special education, that we know physical education is part of education. So sometimes we have to explain that as well. We also get the confusion that adapted PE doesn't have its own eligibility category, such as speech and language. And that adapt because of that, adapted PE cannot be a standalone service. Now, I know it's looked at different in different states, here in the state of California, we are a direct service, so we can be the only service or the primary service that is received if a student is eligible for special education. Typically, we do see that with students under the categories of orthopedic impairment or other health impairment, but technically it could be any, um, any category. And um, also that if a student receives physical therapy, they do not also need adapted physical education services. We know a lot of times we hear, well, we're addressing the gross motor issues by looking at physical therapy. Well, that's just one aspect of gross motor. As we know, typically our physical therapists are looking at mobility and access to the educational environment. They are not educational professionals looking at curriculum, looking specifically at physical education and how the student can access their least restrictive environment for physical education. And we do have another link to that OSEP letter um, that um, mentions that you cannot substitute physical therapy for adapted physical education services. So if a student does have adapted physical education services on their IEP and they go to a different district, that cannot be substituted. This is just a screenshot of the wonderful preschool letter that I have framed because this is a great resource for us when we are advocating for providing those services to our, our, our preschool aged students. Um, and this is just a, a quote from that letter. I also included the Shape America Adapted Physical Education Guidance document because it does also specify that again, adapted PE is a service that can be offered to any student who does require the service from ages three through 21. So just more resources for advocating for our students to receive those adapted PE services when they are in at the preschool level. So once we're looking at providing those services, we have to look at specifically assessment, right? That's gonna be our first step. So what does that look like for preschoolers? I often get student teachers or, or students or other adapted PE teachers that contact me 
because they are not used to assessing students at the preschool level. And they really don't know how to do it because it is very, 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 very different. So a lot of universities have started including specific instruction on how to assess preschoolers in um, and you know students birth to three, I'm sorry, three to five um, for adaptive physical education services because it is very different. So students, the students are very, very young. They most often are not going to be able to participate in direct standardized assessment, especially if they are delayed. So we have to think, okay, I'm assessing a student that is turning three and um, developmentally, they're gonna be significantly lower than that. So this just kind of talks a little bit um, about assessment. And again, I will share these slides with you guys because I know I'm almost out of time already. Um, so just some other things to look at. There is also a link to a bunch of assessments that you can utilize specifically for preschool aged children. And I also included one that I'm working on developing and I would love some feedback from everybody on this. Um, because of the rise in the incidence of students on the autism spectrum, I have kind of developed this checklist with reciprocal gross motor skills. And it's looking at, if, does the student have those needed skills that they need to be able to participate in those reciprocal motor activities to participate in physical education? And then this next part just talks about um, different service delivery models. So it's very important because we also have you know, teachers that do want to work with their preschool students and they don't even know how to begin doing it. So there's many, many different ways that we can provide services. We can do that push-in or whole group push-in model where we're pushing into the classroom where we've got the support of the teacher and the aides. We can do station work, which is very structured, very organized. Then we also have some collaborative services where we can collaborate with different service providers. So we can collaborate with our OTs, our SLPs, our PTs when we're providing service and collaborative models can work very, very well for students within this age level. So I will definitely share these slides with you guys um, so that you can delve into this a little bit more. Um, so bringing it all together, I just wanted to say that, you know, we want to make sure that we are providing adapted PE services to our students between the ages of three to five years per federal law. Also, APE specialists should be on their assessment teams because we need to be following the law to ensure that we're assessing every area related to the suspected disability. And oftentimes we hear that this area is not being included on those initial assessments. Assessments need to be appropriate for the chronological age of the students, as well as their developmental level, and that adaptive PE services can be provided in many different models in order to best meet the students' needs. So again, I know I could talk about this all day long, so I tried to cut it short, but definitely we'll share these slides so that you guys have access to all of this um, in order to support everyone in providing those services for their uh, preschoolers. Yay, thank you so much, Heidi. That was fantastic. Uh, Heidi's slide and um, Steve's will be available on the NICPEED um, website after the presentation today. So we'll, we'll get that those up ASAP. So I had a couple people in the chat ask. Thank you so much, Heidi. Next, we're gonna do the other end of the, the bookends where our speaker is going to be Steve Egrich. And he received his bachelor's degree from University of Wisconsin-La Crosse. 
his master's from University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. And I believe you did your, you got, yeah, your, your master's in APE, correct? With ooh, an emphasis in adventure education and outdoor pursuits and adapted PE. And school district of Holman, spelled correctly. Apologies for the, the typo on the air. Thank you. Garth Timeson, the newest resident of Holman, Wisconsin. <laughs> and there he is the APE teacher at Holman High School, adventure coordinator. And he currently teaches uh, the trails program. He uh, is involved in universal adventure and outdoor pursuits and inclusion class. He does one-on-one -on -one instruction and of course the transition program. So I will share screen and let Steve begin his presentation. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. So we already did the introduction. We'll go through kind of what we're going to talk about today would be kind of how we started our transition programs at Holman High School, how those transition programs are set up, um, possibly some of the goals, the purposes of kind of why we're doing transition the way we're doing it in Holman, some of those best practices that we're trying to meet, some community resources. And I do have some videos that I don't know if we'll get to, but some of the benefits for our students that some of our community members have really kind of told us about and they're really cool to talk to. So our program kind of started, we started having conversations in about 2007. Um, I actually pitched an idea for another class to our director of pupil services named Rick Johnson. And as I was pitching this idea for this universal adventure and outdoor pursuits class, he said, yeah, I'd love you to work with some of our at-risk students. And I've got this idea and I want to start this transition program. He goes, I don't really know how we're going to do it, where we're going to do it, when we're going to do it, but it's coming. Um, so over the next few years, that started to kind of take shape and kind of some of those questions that we had during that time period is, you know, how are we going to base our goals compared to being in the school and in the community, kind of what our roles would be as that adapted physical education teacher, special education teacher, and like our educational assistants, how we would structure their individual learning plan or their, or their IEP. And then big picture was we need to find a location off campus. We had to have that authentic community experience. We just wanted the students to be away from the school. We didn't want them on campus at all. And that was, that was really integral. And then just finding community partners to, to work with as we did that, you know, looking at, at work skills, life skills, um, and recreation leisure was also a big part of that. So I would say, I think it was 2010, 2011, we started our transition program for 18 to 21 year olds. Um, we only had four students enroll and we didn't really have a spot to meet. So the village of Holman let us um, use part of their village hall. And then three days a week, the YMCA in our community was pretty new and they let us come and use their facilities um, three times a week for our adapted FIAD. After two to three months, they actually allowed us to have a little classroom that they have at the YMCA and that's dedicated to us during the school day, which is really great. So our students have a classroom to work out of, working on their, their life skills and their job skills, their independent living skills. And then we have access to all of their physical, well, their, their recreation facilities or fitness facilities. So right now our, pro, our, our project lived started with one special education teacher, one educational assistant, myself, and then our transition coordinator was heavily involved. And then as, as we began to grow and we started to see a bigger need for these transition services, we ended up creating a second program in the 2016-2017 school year. 
Um, but the adapted FIAD for the first two years of their program was actually included at the high school in our adapted physical education class. Um, so they were still in the same facility with the same teacher that they had been all four years in high school. And we knew we, knew we really needed to find a different place to do that. Um, so in 2018-19, we were able to find a local gym called Ironworks Training Center. And they allowed us to use their facility during some of their downtime when they didn't have a lot of people there. And we kind of didn't exchange. We did some job skills cleaning and doing some different activities at the gym and they allowed us to use the gym at no charge. So it was pretty cool. Right now our program has three transition programs. Project Search is based out of a local hospital. Theirs is definitely more of a job-based program. They're getting a lot of different job skills and they rotate between departments at Gunderson Lutheran Health System. Um, they don't really have a chance in the day for any adapted physical education. Most of the students that are in Project Search never had adapted, never qualified for adapted physical education. Then we have Project Live, which is based out of our YMCA. Um, most of those students are looking at really working to be independent or semi-independent when they are done with the program. And then we have Project Bridge, who those the students in Project Bridge are are not going to be they they probably will not be as as likely to have that independent that independence as our project live students do so project live and we don't need to talk a lot about this but um, they're really focused on that job training daily living community participation as far as a recreation leisure we're working on lifelong fitness um, developing an interest in a bunch of different activities how to plan and, and participate in those activities social skills and team building and then Project Bridge, again, really looking at assisted work um, skills and career skills, just so that it's supported employment, focus on developing appropriate work-based behaviors, job skills, that sort of thing. They work on preparing meals and caring for clothes and that sort of thing too. And our, our goal with physical education for them is really to get them that physical activity and trying to teach them some activities that they can do while they're with their families. So. Um, the main goal for us when we started this program was to give our students the knowledge and skills they needed to independently or semi-independently incorporate physical activity and recreation into their adult life. The ultimate goal being able to do these activities when they leave. Um, we felt the activities absolutely had to be community-based. Um, they had to be off campus. It was important to us that the things that we do every day as just people that recreate, we needed to provide those same options for, for our students that were enrolled in our transition program. So like in La Crosse area, we have bluffs, we have lakes, we have rivers, we have four distinct seasons. You know, how can we participate in physical activity in this area? And we also wanna make sure that the activities that we're teaching are focused on what the parents want, what the students are interested in, just so that they can be active when they're done, done with our program. So we'll get into some of the different activities that we do. Okay, here's how Project Live is set up right now. I see them two days a week for about 40 minutes um, at the YMCA. Their memberships are actually included at no charge. They, so they can go after hours also. Folks on strength, cardio, Tabata hit, hit workouts, um, using apps, how to work, exercise on your own. Um, we join classes quite frequently, Pilates, Zumba, spinning, chair yoga, chair interval strength, group strength, on-demand fitness, uh, recreational leisure activities that we do, ice fishing, fishing, hiking, biking, swimming, disc golf, bowling, 
regular golf, archery, um, just anything that we can figure out um, around the community that would interest our students. And we have a lot of conversations at IEP meetings and with their parents on what activities do you, do you all do so that we can incorporate those into class. Project Bridge, again, very similar. We do two days a week fitness and one day a week recreational leisure. And then sometimes we do combine live and, rid, live and bridge when we can for some of our some of our rec leisure days. And our, lec our recreation leisure days are a lot longer. They're about 90 minutes rather than that 40 minutes. So we can go out into the community and participate in those activities outside of just, uh, just the fitness center that we're based out of. And the big thing, one of the big things with that is having transportation. So Project Live has a bus that is dedicated to them. Our, our special education teacher and educational assistant can drive that. So when we do recreate, we have easy access to get wherever we wanna go, um, which is really important. We're not trying to schedule bus drivers. We're not trying to figure out if we have a bus available. It's just available so that we can do that. That's super important. We're trying to implement you know, some of those best practices that are recommended by SHAPE for our programs. And so some of them, so using an authentic setting is really important. So for us, it's YMCA, BG, the Boys and Girls Club, Ironworks Training Center, um, trying to include parents and family members in the planning. We find out the family's interests, what needs they have to recreate as a family or to be active as a family. And we discuss that during IEP meetings. And just throughout the program, we try to have those discussions, documenting physical education, in the IEP. Um, so looking at everything you would look at during a, a non-transition student's IEP, the frequency, duration, all of that stuff that we all know about. Really trying to teach that independence as much as possible. So how are you going to get how are you going to get to your location? Sometimes we'll have students schedule transportation for themselves and they'll get to the activity area without the bus. Um, so they might schedule a shared ride or they might get a cab. Gym and locker room procedures, communication, social skills, that sort of thing. Um, looking at choosing lifelong options for physical activity. You know, what is available in our area? What is the cost? What do the family members like to do? What is their interest? Individualized programming, we're, again, we're still looking at the individualized needs of our students. So we do talk to our physical therapists and we find out, you know, do they, is there anything we can be doing for our students that would increase or maintain their gross motor functioning? Um, and again, try to tailor their fitness programs to what they need. We do have, I am with them three days a week, both programs. And we also have a special education teacher and educational assistants. We have um, graduate students from UW Lacrosse, student teachers, which is great, including agencies and staff. Let's see, improvement of the environment, evaluating goals and objectives, um, rules and etiquettes, procedures, transportation, that sort of thing. Collaborating um, with others on nutrition. Mr. Slusser, our, our co-teacher, brings in um, dietitians at times to work with our students, just talk about healthy eating. I know I'm getting, I'm really running out of time faster. These are all the all the of the groups that I've worked with. And we just reach out to people and try to get them to help us. Um, looking at anybody that will support our program, donate money, help us out with places to recreate, places to be active, YMCA, Knights of Columbus, Ironworks. We have the NASA Squirrel Association in our backyard and they are a, an organization that helps people the elderly and, and individuals with disabilities be active in our community. So a whole bunch of them there. Lacrosse Archery is great to work with. I've had, I'll talk more about them in a second if I have time. Um, UW Lacrosse, super lucky. I have a great graduate program at UW Lacrosse. 
Um, they have a great adapted FIED graduate emphasis and adventure emphasis. And for me, this is really huge because a lot of our students, um, they wanna be active just like everybody else and outdoor pursuits is super positive or super um, popular, especially around where we are. So having individuals that can teach in both realms is really helpful. How do I modify outdoor activities for our individuals in our transition programs? And these are just, we had some YMCA members, you can watch these later, but kind of what do they see as the benefits for our students? Um, looking at their working on their social interactions, whole bunch of different age groups at the YMCA, working, seeing people of all abilities, communicating with staff, really working on those communication skills when they're at the Y, greeting staff members, asking questions, they ask for help, learning people's names, making small talk, um, general skills and responsibilities of checking in every day, remembering to scan their cards, how do they get towels, um, signing up for classes on their own. I'm gonna stop going through the slides and just kind of talk a little bit about some of the things that I really think are important. Again, just to kind of recap, finding those community-based activities that all of us love to do and figuring out ways to teach our students how to do them and how to access them. So a lot of times we have, um, we'll teach them, how do you get there? Who would you do these activities with? How much is it gonna cost? How am I gonna get home? Who am I gonna tell that I'm going? Um, what times can I do the activities? And so for example, when we do some of our community activities, we're looking at checklists for them on how do we know if they're ready when they're done? So what time do I need to leave for the activity? What special equipment do I need to pack? Once the activity is over, how am I gonna get, gonna get home? What is the arrangement for the pickup? Is there a time or who do I call? What is the phone number of the person? Um, so, and then we have a rubric that we score this on. So again, just trying to make this as independent as possible and really make it authentic for the area that you're in. So anyway, um, just looking at whatever we can do to get these kiddos active in the community and really utilizing those community partners. I look across archery, for example, if we are going to shoot archery there, I'll have a student call there and set up the appointment for us. And I'll, I'll talk to them ahead. Anthony Schmitz is his name and I'll call them and say, hey, I'm gonna have a student call you at about this time today. And these are the questions they're gonna ask and we'll just have to work through that, right? Um, just understand to be patient, but it gives us that authentic practice of, hey, do you have an open time? How much is it gonna cost? When can I come in? These are the number of people I'm gonna have. This is, enough, this is the amount of equipment I'm gonna need. And we do that with a lot of our different community partners. So I think that's about it. Great. We'd love to thank both of our speakers. Fantastic job. Uh, speaking about preschool and post-secondary transition. At this time, would love to open it up to the field for any questions. I think I see Heidi Erickson said in the chat, is there a statement that's available to share with admin about why we still see students up to 22? They often balk at AP specialists, at APE, uh, that PE is or AP is no longer needed. Um, and one thing I did share is in the chat, the letter of clarification. So again, this clarifies federal law that APE, if in the IEP, absolutely can continue to be provided to students um, until they turn 22. So I put that in the chat again. Um, Garth, is, Garth is raising his hand as well. He's got more to add. Welcome to the newest resident of Holman, Wisconsin. Congrats on your move and your new house. Uh, thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yep, how good. 
Hey, very good. Hey, th this is a heck of a coincidence too. For three days a week, I work out at the same YMCA where Steve has his kids. So I will be, it, it, and when Steve uses the terms authentic, community-based, and realistic, he is telling the truth. I'm on the spinner bike and I'll look to my right and I'll see somebody on the rowing machine to my left, the elliptical and behind me on the treadmill. There may be a paraprofessional there with one of the youngsters. There may not be. They're all checking their checklists and things like that. It's a fantastic program. Steve, I have a question for you. What do you recommend APE teachers do when their supervisors just say to them, we just can't do this type of program? We have, you just have, you have to tell them you have to, and you have to give them that documentation. I was, I'm so fortunate. I am so blessed to be in the district. I am. I haven't had to do that. I was just, here you go. This is what we're going to do. Um, but the, the shape recommendations for those best practices are really important also. And just bring that up, bring that to them, show that to them, and just really advocate for this is a must is so is jo with job planning and independent living skills. We have to do this. Um, it is a huge part of everyday life for everybody, individuals with or without disabilities. Um, and just keep advocating and keep showing those forms. Steve, I have a question for you. I'm really blown away by the number of partnerships that you have. How are those established? Do, do the students have to pay anything to do the YMCA partnership? Um, are there any costs involved or is that covered through like grants and donations? So really good question. Um, some of the community partners like the YMCA, it's a good partnership with the district, with our district, and we do not have to pay um, memberships for the, for those students. And they can use even use their membership on the weekends and after school. So it's a full year long membership. A lot of times it's just us reaching out to people that we know in the community. When we needed a spot to work out for Project Bridge, I'm a wrestling coach. There was a local MMA gym and I just approached and I said, hey, the facility isn't real busy this time. Could we use it? And maybe we could do something for you to help you. So we were able to teach job skills to our students and they helped clean some of the facility at Ironworks, not anything real intense, but we were able to kind of work out a partnership deal. And generally, once we get our students around these community groups, they love having us there. Um, the district does rent a facility, does rent the Boys and Girls Club. Um, they have a, an area there that we do use. And then a lot of the other community groups, it's just lots of reaching out and connections with people you know. A lot of times we'll have parents that know other people and just reaching out and helping. We do fundraise a lot. Um, our, our special education teacher, Nick Slusser, does a great job at making those connections. And it's, it's truly a team effort. Um, it's, I'm just such a small portion in our, in our transition program that we try to make connections that we can all benefit from. Does that, hopefully that helps. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a question in the chat. Um, Emily's asking a follow up to Heidi's question. They're in the process of working to get APE on the IEPs. Great, because that's what you need to do. That's huge, huge, huge. Also looking for documentation or information about having an AP specialist test the students during the IEP initial evaluation. Seems that only PTOT evaluate and then PTOT is needed, but it still does not address APE. Great, Heidi, Heidi saying email me. Heidi, you wanna follow up on that further? Yeah, I think just educating um, our administrators and our assessment teams on the differences between PT and OT and adaptive PE, and that if there are gross motor concerns, especially if they're related to physical education, 
and recreation and recess that they do need to be including adapted physical educators, not just the physical therapists. Um, and I think in some states there, there's some um, miscommunication, misinformation out there that if they do include physical PT and OT that they don't, they might not even understand about adaptive PE and what we do. So a lot of education and showing them a lot of the resources and the documents that we have can really help and explaining the differences between all of the different service providers, which our adaptive PE guidelines for our state really demonstrate the differences. Like there's a, like a, a really great chart that's in there um, that we can share as well that that really kind of shows, yes, there is a lot of overlap in what we do, but that specifically if they're only assessing PT and OT, then they are missing out on that adapted PE piece. And also shared in the chat was the, you cannot substitute related service like PT or OT for APE. That's also in the chat. Barry, you had a question? Hi, uh, Steve and Heidi, great presentations, R really, uh, Nice job. Um, so Heidi, my question to you, uh, you started touching about assess, you touched on assessment and you, you, you talked about how uh, a lot of times teachers are trained, they're really good at doing standard-based assessments and with older kids, but can you talk a little bit about and get real practical about maybe play-based assessment and how it's it's very different from uh, testing, you know, uh, an elementary school age child. And, and I think that's one of the real challenges that a lot of these AP teachers uh, uh, face. Yes. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. It is very, very different because a lot of our students are not able to participate in standardized assessments. We all know the TGMD3 is normed for three-year-olds, right? But if you look at a three-year-old that's delayed, most of the time they're not going to be able to participate in that type of standardized assessment. So I do use one assessment, the developmental assessment of young children that does allow me to actually gain a standard score just through observation and parent interview. And so that is definitely more play-based. A lot of it is observation-based. So I do use a lot of criterion assessments. I use the CARE R2. I use the Southern California Ordinal Scales of Development um, because it is very, very play-based. And a lot of it, you know, we have to, we don't, these children don't know us. It's an unfamiliar environment. So when they come in, we have to give them some time to kind of acclimate. We're very blessed at our site that we do have a motor room with fun things. We have a platform swing. We have a ball pit. We have a trampoline. So we do. We just let them play. We talk to the parents. And then, of course, we do try to interact with them and try to get them to participate. And if they can, then we will administer that type of assessment. But it is very, very different in that it is a lot more observation, a lot more interview to really gain you know, to really figure out what their present levels are, to figure out, you know, what is, what are their age approximations? Where are they functioning? What types of skills do they have? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? To really, you know, determine eligibility, need for services, goals, things like that. Sometimes we have kids come in here and they literally will not do anything for us. <laughs> it does happen. So, then we have to try to do multiple assessments. We will uh, try to observe them in multiple environments to try to gain that information and also use parent interview, which isn't the most reliable, but um, it's kind of what we have to do to get an idea of where they're at. But it is a very, very different type of assessment. So yes, great point, Barry, <laughs> because it is 
it is very different. All right. Well, thank you so much again to Heidi and Steve, two fantastic presentations. And again, just to reiterate, we have several clarification documents that are in the chat or they are also available. We put, posted them on the Facebook live feed and they're available on the NICPEED website. And those are clarification letters for preschool, um, APE services, um, clarification letter for 16 to 20 year olds, uh, and also that related services like PT, OT, et cetera, cannot replace APE services. Very important. So again, use those documents to advocate for our students. Lot of great ideas coming here soon. We're going to have um, upcoming, we've got several really great ideas. We um, <clears throat> Dates will be forthcoming, but we're gonna have Cynthia Vargas, who is a lawyer who very much knows APE. Oh, I'm seeing some head nods in the, yes. She spoke before at the Southern California um, APE Collaborative and it's fantastic. So legally defensive IEPs. So she'll talk about that. We're also gonna get the Colorado group, huge shout out to Colorado and that they recently uh, had their APE added, yay, Danielle's in the house, uh, their APE added authorization, endor APE endorsement was approved through the state of Colorado. So we're gonna have Brian Whitgren and others, a panel come and discuss their process, their hurdles, and share some resources in case, you know, we, you wanna lead the fight for your states to get an APE endorsement. We're also, in January, going to have the APAC, the new APAC board come on and discuss uh, updates and changes to the uh, APAC journal. So that will also be forthcoming. So a lot of great ideas coming up for future NICPEED APE collaboratives, and we'll get dates out to you shortly once they are officially scheduled and in the books. So thank you all again for coming and a big shout out once more to Heidi and Steve for this fantastic presentation. Yay! Uh, all of the resources, uh, their slides will also be posted to the NICPEED website. So thanks all again for joining us. Till next time.